Welcome to the first episode of Workflows and Espressos. I am your host, Megan Moylan, and oh my God, we're about to go on a journey together that's going to span, this is like the Eras tour, except for way less exciting in my opinion. So it's going to span seven episodes, and I just am so excited for what we have planned here at the Hospitality FM Network this season for you. So today, our first episode is titled Brewing Success in the Short-Term Rental Industry, and we have a lot to unpack. So we're going to go through a couple things. As it's the start of a new year, I want to talk about things that I'm kind of on the lookout for in 2024, items that I think are really going to come up and hot topics of conversations. And then I really want to talk through the like essentials of starting a short-term rental business or even any startup for that matter. I think these tips can kind of apply to anybody. But when we are planning for this episode, you know, one thing that was super important to us is that We weren't super short-term rental specific in terms of like episode content, but more so like speaking to entrepreneurs in general. So while we are going to talk a lot about the industry, I'm hopeful that there's going to be tips in the episode that really apply to everybody in any type of industry. Let's talk about me for a second. Enough about the episode. Okay, let's get to the really interesting stuff. My name is Megan and I live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I've been in the industry now for almost nine years, which is crazy to think about, but it's the only thing that I've ever done. So I'm actually from the panhandle of Florida, and I worked for six years for a company called 360 Blue, which is pretty well known in the industry for being one of the largest luxury vacation rental companies in the United States. And I started there in reservations, kind of worked my way through the company, did a lot on the revenue management side, wore a lot of hats over the over the course of six years in that journey and was responsible for overseeing an acquisition that we had out in Breckenridge, Colorado. So I got to see the M&A side of the short-term rental industry, which was so exciting to me. But I think my passion probably lies, I was going to say revenue management, but maybe that's not true. I don't know. I love it all. So when I left in 2021, I was the chief strategy officer and it was so hard to leave. Like it had been really like the birth of my industry knowledge. And I had grown so much and the company just like has this incredibly special place in my heart. And the mentorship that I received there was like second to none. And I moved up to Jackson Hole from the Panhandle, Florida, which is very odd, a strange transition. But I had met Meki, the owner of Outpost, at a conference, the Executive Summit, actually back in like 2019. And we just connected and I thought his brand was so cool and I loved Outpost and what it represented. And it really kind of felt like the 360 of the Mountain West. No offense to Robin Cragen because I think he has a really badass Mountain West group moving mountains, if you haven't heard. Just a plug for Robin there because I have to. But anyway, so I moved up to Jackson and I took on the role of executive director of the Outpost group. So we actually have six businesses here locally. And one of them is Outpost, which is our largest company. And then one of them is a coffee roasting business, which is really, really exciting. It kind of ties into the workflows and espressos theme of the podcast, which we're going to get into the coffee side of things. Okay. So when Will pitched the show to me, I don't even know, it was a month ago or a couple months ago, he was like, okay, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And my first thought was like, yeah, call her daddy. I want to be a guest and call her daddy. Anyway, so my first thought was, yes, that sounds so incredible. There are so many incredible podcasts that are specific to the industry. I'm super excited to be a part of it. 
I love the title, but I don't drink coffee. But I also run a coffee roasting business. So today I'm drinking a London Fog, which I make homemade every single morning and have been doing so for like five years now. I am like a diehard Starbucks London Fog gal. Many specialty coffee roasters, which is actually the business that we oversee, uh, do not approve of Starbucks. You're just going to have to pry it out of my cold, dead hands. I'm drinking this out of my Ember mug, which I got for Christmas. Ember does not sponsor this podcast, but it is, in fact, the uh, greatest gift that I got for Christmas. Anyway, I was also looking up coffee facts, and 62% of Americans drink coffee. And of that 62%, I think it was like people are drinking three plus cups a day. So as we're entering in a new year, and I was just listening to Will's podcast, Slick Talk, and it was like so inspiring to me to think through like what we've been through in 2023 and what we have to look forward to in 2024. And it's a lot, right? And there's going to be a lot of predictions. There already are a lot of predictions that have come out in podcasts or webinars for 2024. But I think I just want to talk through like a couple of industry trends I have noticed really like in the last couple of years that I think will continue into 2024. But then you as a listener, something that you can kind of be on the lookout for to look beyond the like smoke and mirrors. And the first thing I want to talk about is revenue management. So as you now know, my background, revenue management is a really big piece of that. And it's Interesting, you know, nine years ago, no one really talked about revenue management. And now it's all anybody can talk about. And it's almost intimidating, especially if you're more of like the integrator type that's really in the operations and really focused on like housekeeping and maintenance and owner conversations versus managing the revenue, right? Like any conference you go to, all you're hearing lately is do you have a dedicated revenue manager? Are you utilizing key data or air DNA or transparent? I mean, it's just, it's overwhelming, right? Or beyond or price up. Like, it's just, it's this very big buzzword similar to AI, which we'll also talk about. Spoiler. And I think, you know, as I was talking to Will about planning for the episode, the one thing that I really wanted to get across is I think revenue management is continuing to be this hot topic in the industry. And I think it should be. Like, don't get me wrong. I think revenue management is one of the most important aspects of a short-term rental business, whether you have one property or 1,500. But I also think that, and I do think you should utilize a tool. I don't think you need 15 tools. I don't think you need to go out and buy every single tool available to you in the software space, which is also a topic of conversation. I think it makes sense to utilize a tool that's going to save you time, which is the one thing that is very finite to us as vacation rental managers or as people in the industry. It's really, really difficult to manage your time in a space that is 24-7 seven days a week, that is 24-7, in a space that's just very busy. So what I have to say about revenue management is that it is something that you should be looking at daily. You should be changing your prices every single day, and you should be segmenting your properties as much as you possibly can to get as fine, like as into the nitty gritty, right? Like from a per property level. And you should be utilizing a tool that's saving you time and money. What you shouldn't have are 42 spreadsheets. You shouldn't have five different softwares. You shouldn't have 10 revenue managers if you have five properties, right? Like let's start to understand the difference between like hyping something up just because it's this important topic in the industry and trying to sell you on things that might 
not save you time versus like, hey, this is really, really important. And I think that it's something that everybody needs to be focused on. I think it's worth having a dedicated resource that's looking into your revenue and your demand and your prices every single day. But if you're doing that, like you're doing it right and it's okay. And that is strategy enough. Like understand your seasonality and understand your booking window and sit in on the webinars. There's a lot of great tools out there. I am a fan of several of them. And utilize time at conferences or if you don't go to conferences, do your research into those tools. I think that there's going to be an episode on technology this season. Spoiler again where we'll kind of dive into what to look for and how to choose the tool that's right for you. But more than anything, like what should keep you awake at night as an operator is do I have 0% occupancy? Am I completely unprepared? Do I not understand the market that I'm in? It shouldn't be am I only using one software system when I should be using 17? Or are, do we need to be having five revenue managers manage our properties versus just this one person that we have dedicated. So yeah, that is my tip on that. It's going to be a hot topic. It will continue to be discussed as I think it should be, but don't sweat it. You've got it under control. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze with Breezeway. We have my favorite Breezeway employee here. Don't tell anybody else. Corinne. Karen, I am very excited that you're here. I can't wait to shoot the breeze with you. We are going to breeze through some tips and tricks for property managers in just 90 seconds, which is very difficult for me to do because I'm typically the person that's going to talk over 90 seconds. So let's go. Karen, you are the very first Breezeway employee ever, which is very exciting. You've been with Breezeway for almost seven years. You have learned a lot along the way. Breezeway has changed a lot yeah. since you started. Talk to me about your favorite Breezeway product. Oh man, that's like picking your favorite child. I don't have a favorite child because I don't have any children. So I, I think we're in good shape there. You know, I think it changes as we go. Right now, I, I have to say, I think that our messaging product has really been very exciting for me because we've continued to see that evolve. We're seeing, you know, the 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 standard texting with guests, but we're really seeing a lot more uh, of that personalization and more interaction happening around property readiness, guest checkout, gap night, uh, and additional revenue being driven from the, the messaging. So we're seeing a lot more happening through that personalization and communication channel with guests. Honestly, listeners, you heard it here first. If you need improvements with your operations, Breezeway is what you have to do. And if you go to breezeway.io slash espressos, you get $100 off. So if you aren't already using Breezeway, go to the website, sign up, talk to Corinne and her team, and get going. And thank you for listening. So the next topic that I want to talk about is AI, which is also this like buzzword, right? Any conference that you go to or anyone you talk to in the industry wants to understand how you're using AI. And this is, I kind of feel similarly to revenue management about AI, where I think that like, if you aren't using AI and like, let's just be straight, even if it's just chat GPT, like you 100% should be in my opinion. I think it's super important. I think it's one of these things that's funny. We had some issues with our team early on when chat GPT was first released, where there was some anxiety about what this really meant for their role. You know, it's it's nerve wracking, especially when you have a role that you feel could be replaced by ChatGPT. My opinion here, like ChatGPT isn't going to manage your team and it's not going to be out in the field cleaning your units and it's not going to be on the phone talking to your owners, but it can 
help respond to reviews for you and create conversation with your guests that for like easy, redundant questions that you get pretty easily, right? That it can improve your existing experience and it can save you time. I, in our reviews this year, this is not my idea. This is one of my friends whose boss actually asked their company to do this, but I thought it was so great. So we do employer reviews every year at Outpost Group. And I requested that every single person on the team, no matter what department they were in, replace one aspect of their job with ChatGPT. So whether that is like a redundant task that they have to do every single day or something even more complicated, they wanted to like research an AI tool. It didn't matter to me. It just feels very much like embracing it versus running from it is the the best path forward at this point. And I think most of us have kind of come to that conclusion. There are even more technology tools available now in the space that are AI specific. We do not personally use any of them, but I think it's a great opportunity to start looking into them and like spending 2024 figuring out every single piece of your guest or owner journey and how much of that could potentially be replaced or even supplemented, which is what we prefer with AI is something that I would be on the lookout for in 2024 and just kind of add to your strategic goals list. That being said, strategic goals. So this is more of a tip than an industry insight. But one thing that I like to do with the team every single year, I'm like this huge proponent. I always use this boat metaphor, which is probably annoying to the team who's heard it 15 times. But I think when you're running a company, whether you have one employee or 50 or even more than that, you are the captain of the boat, right? And you're asking your employees to row every single day and decide what direction you want the team to row in and then communicate it with them. Like if 2024 is going to be the year of owner communication and retention and owner growth, like communicate that to your team and make sure across every single department that people know about it and are working toward that goal. So I would encourage all the listeners here, whether you have a boss that's leading your team, like go speak to them about this or whether you're running a company yourself, communicate your strategic goals early and often and make sure you have three or less. Don't do too much and really focus on that, especially now that we're in January and it's such a great time to set goals for the business. So last like industry tidbit that I want to talk about for 2024 is technology. Okay. So This is another one of those things that feels like a very hot topic. I think that, not I think, I know that there are more vendors now in the space than there ever have been before. And I think that is an incredibly great sign of a healthy industry, right? Like private equity money. I was listening to Jason Sprinkle do this like video from Berman interview last night. This wasn't recorded last night. This is just what I like to do with my time, apparently. Anyway, he was saying like, hey, these aren't small private equity firms. Like this is some of the biggest money in the world that's trying to come into the industry. And I think like he said this, right, it's a great sign of health, which is very true, right? Like I think that we are part of this multi-billion dollar industry. I was also reading last night that it's expected to grow astronomically within the next 10 years, even with regulation being this other topic and um, force that we're dealing with on an everyday basis in so many markets. This being said, like the tech vendors, there's a lot of them. And number one, it's really hard to choose which tech solution is going to work best for you and your company, if any of them. But number two, it almost feels like 
not like analysis paralysis, but like, holy shit, do I need to have 15 tech solutions for my business? My advice here would be like, remain really steadfast in your goals for 2024, like we spoke to earlier, but also understand like where the holes are in your company. I think a really great practice is to go through your guest and your owner journey and just like literally write it all down. Every guest touch point that you have, every owner touch point that you have, your company framework and what your organizational chart looks like. Have your team help you with this, like not just the leadership team, like the do this as an exercise for the company and then start to pick out holes. And understand where your inefficiencies are and write them down. And like if your three inefficiencies are trust accounting and revenue management and guest communication or owner onboarding, you already know that there is going to be a tech solution that's going to be able to help. So like don't even worry about that. It's just a matter of like which one helps from a cost perspective. That's another like financial conversation, but more so like look for your holes, see what type of tech can help from an efficiency standpoint and then make sure that like I think layering tech on top of tech on top of tech often creates like you'll go into your office and you'll see your reservations team or your owner relations manager or even if it's you and you're the only person in your company you have 17 different windows open on five screens so make sure you're not layering too many solutions on top of each other But just be aware that like you're going to be sold a lot this year and that will likely continue for the foreseeable future. Understand where your holes are and fill them wisely. And don't be afraid to switch tech solutions if you've made a decision and it's not working for the company. Now we're going to get into the next segment, which we're going to touch on a lot of these things already. But I started to think through like what are the essentials of short-term rental management, right? Like tying it back to the framework of the episode. And it was a really exciting exercise because I think it's an opportunity to reflect on like what's super important when you're either starting a vacation rental business, starting a business in hospitality, starting a business period, or if you have a business already and you kind of want to check yourself and make sure that they're staying on track and that you're rowing in the direction that you want to row in. Okay, so I came up with seven steps of essential short-term rental management. Strap in. This is going to be good. Make sure you have a pencil. I'm just kidding. You're probably in the car driving to work. So step one is know what you're getting into. And I was going to say this is the most important step, but I'm probably going to say that about every step. That's why there are only seven. This is an important step. Know what you're getting into. And what I mean by that is this business is grueling. Like it, a lot of people will say, I honestly just fell into this industry. We don't wake up in the morning or uh, we're not born, I guess is what I'm trying to say, going at, like wanting to go into the short-term rental industry. It is so incredible. And like, this role that we have and making guests happy every single day and building these incredible companies centered around travel, which is such a cool thing in general, is so exciting. But like, it is not a glamorous job. You're cleaning houses. You are working on Christmas. You are likely working on Fourth of July and you're answering phone calls at three o'clock in the morning about a toilet that's broken. Like, it's a rough gig to have, but it is rewarding in so many ways. But I think understanding from the very beginning, like if you're listening to this and thinking I'm going to start my own vacation rental company, 
it sounds a lot more exciting than it is at three o'clock in the morning when you're dealing with a broken toilet. There are so many rewarding things about it, but I think just trying to understand or understanding in the very beginning, like what you're up against when you go into the industry is super, super important. So not just like from a timing perspective, but know the market very, very well. What does regulation look like in the market that I'm going into? Is it going to restrict me from having more than X houses? Our tax is going to be so high that my bottom line is going to be completely zero. Like just understand every aspect of what you're getting into. Who's your competition in the area? What is your possibility for bringing on homeowners? How many homeowners do you need to bring on in order to break even? How much time do you have personally to dedicate to this? So that's step one. As I've made it really sound exciting to you, let's get into step two. So spend time on the legal aspect. This is so important. It is very boring if you do not have a legal background. If you are like me and you're like, let's go sell to some owners or communicate with guests about their birthday trip coming up. No, don't do that yet. Go talk to a lawyer. Or if you are a lawyer, then you're already great. You can skip step two. Okay, so spending your time on legal, make sure that your guest agreements, make sure you have guest agreements, make sure that you have owner agreements, make sure that you have a non-compete for your employees, like just get your agreements in place and make sure they're rock solid. One advice that I have for you that is just a tidbit is to make sure that you have an assignability clause in your homeowner contract. So essentially what that means is if you decide to sell one day, your owner contracts, that's what you have, right? Like if you sell your business, you're selling your owner contracts. Make sure that you have an assignability clause in your owner contract so that that means you can assign the contract to your buyer who's purchasing your company. Decide what your owner agreements are going to look like. Are they going to be annual agreements that renew automatically? Are you going to have a 60-day-out agreement that might be easier to bring owners on, but it's also easier for them to leave your program if they choose to do so? So talk to a lawyer. Get your legal stuff in place. I am not a lawyer, but I'm still happy to give advice. You just might not 100% want to take it. So build your bus. We are not an EOS company, which is, you'd have to talk to CJ Stam. I always bring him up with Southern Comfort Cabin Rentals, but EOS is the entrepreneurial operating system that a lot of vacation rental companies are adopting. And they use this like bus term a lot. Make sure you have the right people on the bus. I have so many thoughts on this. And I think that what this means to me is make sure that you have one, the right people at your company, like whether it is you and your significant other running this business or you and your best friend. I don't know if I'd recommend the second one, but whether you have a business partner and it's just the two of you and you're starting out on your journey or whether you have a team in place already that you're ready to get started with, make sure that you have the right people on the bus. Make sure they know what they're getting into. Like the beginning stages of a startup, specifically a short-term rental startup, are really, really grueling and you have to wear a lot of different hats. And it is this massive learning curve and it is really, really busy and a grind to get to that point of profitability that you're striving for. And the only way to do that effectively is to make sure that you have the right people on the bus. Again, The next step of that would be to make sure that they're sitting in the right seats. And so there's been this like conversation really like last year about visionaries versus integrators. You know, if you're starting a company with a business partner, 
decide which one of you really fits in the operational role versus which one of you is going to go more in the visionary role. The person that's going to be out there talking to owners and growing the program and being responsible for the financial aspect versus the person that's going to be like in the nitty gritty hiring housekeepers and communicating with owners once they've onboarded and making sure that logistics are in place for each department, right? Like, I think it makes sense in the very beginning to kind of have those two roles very separated and understand, like, based on your strengths, who's going to do what. And then as you start to grow the team, I think the biggest role to hire for early on is someone to communicate with your owners, especially if you plan to have an exit strategy within the next couple of years. Owners from the very beginning, right? Like you're going to kind of wear every hat when you first start a company and you are going to be the person that answers the phone for an owner or a guest and you might have to clean units. You probably will have to. And I think that's so important from the very beginning to wear every single hat and do every single role. Find somebody that can be your like owner relations manager or your property manager, whatever you choose to call it as early on as possible that has incredible communication and organizational skills that you feel comfortable being the point person for the owners. And I give this advice because if you choose to sell your business one day, or even if you don't choose to sell your business, the easiest way for you to start sleeping through the night is to have somebody that can take on that role so you can focus on the strategic aspect of growing or just maintaining your company. And then from an M&A standpoint, if you choose to sell, a buyer doesn't want to come in and purchase your company if you are the only connection that the owner has to the business, right? Because then the second you're gone, it leaves so much up or it really leaves the company vulnerable to a lot of owners leaving. So build your bus, make sure you have the right people in place. Do not hire a bunch of people in the very beginning, right? Like understand what your company is going to look like and what you really need. And I recommend hiring someone on the owner communication side first. Okay, that's the team aspect. Hello, listeners. And today we have two exciting things to talk about. Number one, I'm coming to you live from our coffee roasting company, which feels very much like the espressos vibe we're going for today. The second thing I want to talk to you about is air DNA. Do you know what's annoying? That you used to have to pay for every single market, additional market that you wanted information on from air DNA. Who wants to do that? You want to expand, you pay more money. You want to look into another market, you got to pay more money. Anyway, we've decided in 2024, we're not doing that anymore, okay? You sign up for AirDNA, all markets are there. Doesn't matter. Anywhere in the world, you have access to their data. This is very exciting. We're going into 2024 with less money energy, okay? Unless we're spending it on Uber Eats. So if you want to learn more, if you want to add all the markets, go to AirDNA.co. Use the code WORKFLOWS for one month free. See you there. Let's talk about tech being your friend, which is step four. I can't keep track of my own steps at this point. Okay, so I know we just talked about tech, but I do think that technology ultimately saves us a significant amount of time. The first piece of tech that you should look for is a property management system. It doesn't matter how many homes you have. That will be the place that is going to keep all of your reservations. Hopefully it is the way your CRM and how you're communicating with your guests. It's going to hold all of your owner information. Like this is your source of truth. There are a lot of solutions out there. 
but it's worth it, right? So pick a property management system and then go from there. If that is all you need in the very beginning, which is likely what I'd recommend, then like sit on that for a second. Once you get to that 20, 25 property mark, start thinking about additional tech solutions, whether it's helpful on the operational side, whether it is on the revenue management or data analysis side. Just keep an eye out for that tech. Make sure you're not stacking them on top of each other, but just from the very beginning, do not write your reservations down on a piece of paper. This might seem crazy to you, but it is very common. Just get out of that as quickly as you possibly can. Stay away from the spreadsheets and the Google Docs and the paper and make sure that it is all held within a technology system. This also makes for really easy like data export should you need to comb through data or organize it in a way that makes sense to you or your team, which you likely will in the very beginning. Tech is your friend. Speaking of data, this is flowing nicely. Let's go into step five, data. Oh, I'm excited to talk about this. Okay, so I think a lot in the industry, a lot of times in the industry, data is really focused on like the revenue management side, which we spoke to a little bit earlier. There is so much other data that is really, really important, especially as you start to get bigger. So my recommendation here, I am one of these people where I can find myself pulling like 400 reports and then I kind of have to reel myself back and say like, Megan, how much of this is actually actionable versus like you just really like Excel? So be on the lookout for that if you're a data person, but put KPIs in place from the very beginning per department that align with your goals. That was very wordy. Okay, let's say it again. So put KPIs in place that are per department that align with your strategic goals. So essentially what I'm saying is every vacation rental company, you have your owner side of the business. You have the maintenance and housekeeping service side, whether you outsource that or you choose to do it in-house. And you have your guest service and your reservation side. Then you have your revenue management. Revenue management is not the only one of these departments that has KPIs tied to it, right? Like you want to understand how many new reservations are you taking every single week or day, depending on how you like to pull that information. What is your conversion rate of these reservations? How many phone calls are you answering versus how many calls are ending up unanswered and your guest is going to voicemail when they call in? How many new owners are you bringing on every single month? Is this aligning with the bigger goal that you have in mind? Everybody's data points are different. I would recommend like two to three KPIs per department. And as your company grows and you have someone like solely responsible for each department, hold them accountable for these KPIs. In the beginning, like it should be easy for you solely to pull this information and keep it in a spreadsheet or Tableau or Power BI, if that's what you choose to use, um, but have access to it and know right off the top of your head, like, okay, we have a net gain properties of five per month, which means if you lose 10 properties, but you bring on 15, like you still gained five that month. Understand how many properties you typically bring on at certain types of the year, depending on your seasonality. Having this data accessible and setting those benchmarks and then holding your team ultimately responsible for it will allow you to like easily track the health of your business in a way that is digestible and isn't causing you to pull all this information that's not really going anywhere. Three KPIs per department, never too early to start. Okay, so over communication is my step six. And what I mean by this is 
really from an owner perspective, I think this is most important, but it does apply to the guest side as well. So with owners, if you are seeing a downturn in your data from your revenue manager or in the data that you're looking at yourself, communicate to your owner early and often about what you're seeing. We send an email out every single month to our homeowners that's super transparent about the data that we've seen in the previous month. So for example, it's January. We're about to send out data from December to our homeowners, and we are showing them the good and the bad. Here is what we've seen that we've been concerned about, and here's what we're doing about it. And here's what we've seen that we're excited about and we feel like is leading to incredible performance, and here's what we're doing to continue that trend moving forward. I think owners are going to notice either way, right? Like if their payments are looking less and less every single month, or if they know they booked this week last year for 5000 and this year that week is 3000 right? Like we know by now, or if you don't know by now, you'll know very early on in the process. Like owners know and see a lot of that. Not every single one, but most of them do. I think it is our role to make sure that we are over communicating with them about what we're seeing as early as possible so we can let them know like, hey, we noticed this too. Don't worry, we're on top of it. And here's what we're doing about it. So I guess the steps there would be tell owners, explain to them what you're seeing and then what you're going to do about it. And then you should be okay. Some owners are going to be assholes, right? We're all going to have them. That should be another episode on what we should do about those. But As long as you're over communicating and you're putting steps in place to fix anything, and this doesn't apply just to the revenue side, if something gets broken in an owner's house, immediately communicate with them. Don't worry, we're replacing it, right? It will set you up better ultimately with your homeowners and create this mutual trust that will allow for retention for years to come. Again, there are going to be exceptions to that rule. But they usually don't have a place in your program anyway. Okay, so step seven, maybe this is the most important. Okay, pivoting. I'm not a Friends fan. Well, it's not that I'm not a Friends fan. I've just never watched Friends. I probably should, but there's apparently this episode, right, where everyone talks about, like, pivoting. I don't really know what happened. This is so crucial, especially when you're in a leadership role, when you're making decisions on behalf of an entire organization, no matter how many employees you have, it is never too late to pivot. I just want to make sure that's true. I think that's true. I feel pretty confident in that. So let's say you decide on a new policy for guest communication and you roll out this policy and you feel really great about it. And a couple weeks later, your whole team hates it. It doesn't really make any difference in the guest experience, and it's kind of inefficient. I think it's difficult to swallow some pride there, right, and decide, like, I probably should do something else and change this policy. But I think it's so important for us leaders to understand, like, it makes us better to recognize when we make a decision that's not benefiting anybody or not benefiting as much as we thought it would the business or the owners or the guests or employees. So my recommendation would be to pivot no matter what it is when you notice something isn't working. Give it time to understand whether it's a strategy, right? Like 2024 goals, we've been talking about this. If you put your goals in place and six months down the road, your company decides to move in a different direction. Like 
I think that that shows signs of a company that is listening and moving in a strategic direction and learning as they go, which I think is super, super important. And I think that as long as you're over communicating again with your employees, too, especially, honestly, I think that pivoting makes some of the best leaders. So now you've got your seven steps. I think you can ultimately just stop listening to this and go start your own company. Again, this kind of applies to any industry. So good luck with the ice cream shop that you've decided to start. No, but really, I I know there are so many other things that go into building a business in this industry or in any industry for that matter. And I just hope that those steps can help provide you with some context and a little bit of a guide to move forward. Or you're already in your business and you want to check yourself and make sure that you're uh, growing in the right direction, that you're choosing the right blend. I'm so excited that we just wrapped up episode one. This was so great. I feel like we just hung out. Uh, Hopefully you feel that way too and that you come back next week for episode two. We are going to dive into all things branding. There's so much to talk about there. I hope that you have an incredible rest of your week and that you tune in next week. And thank you for listening to Workflows and Espressos, part of the Hospitality FM Network. Bye.